This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome to The Gospel for Life. It's always good to start the day with you. We have been thinking about and talking about the, the concept or the topic of repentance hopefully providing some tools along the way to help with such an important aspect of the Christian life. This actually was a discussion early on in, in the Reformation. What what does penance looks like? What, it, what does it mean? And Luther in his um, 95 Theses starts by saying that when the Lord tells us to repent, he, he's calling for a life of repentance. Um, and so sometimes we can have in our head that repentance is what happens only in, uh, initially when we come to faith, but really the ongoing life of a believer is ongoing repentance. And we've been using a work by Thomas Watson, The Doctrine of Repentance, and he says that repentance is really made up of six ingredients and that all are necessary, that you need all six of these. And so those are sight of sin. Sorrow for sin, confession of sin, shame for sin, hatred for sin, and turning from sin. And if you remember, we began looking at false repentance or counterfeit repentance, and then last time we looked at sight of sin and began talking about sorrow for sin. And now today, after a lengthy introduction, we are going to continue talking about sorrow for sin. And Watson gives six qualifications for godly sorrow. The Puritans were good at making lists. Yes, yes. So if you ever read a Puritan, what you're going to find, and um, Vinny did not, sorry, I'm kind of throwing Vinny under the bus here a little bit. Sorry, that's terribly rude. That's fine. (laughs) It's big, it's yellow, it's fast. (laughs) (laughs) Vinny didn't believe me, I don't think. Nope. But he did purchase the Doctrine of Repentance by Watson, and he is now a true believer in the list, within the list. It was pretty well. If you've seen the movie Inception, it's like reading that in script form. <laughs> it's a dream within a dream. Yeah. You know, if there's if there's two, you know, knocks against the Puritans, one is they, they typically don't have a lot of room for pleasure or leisure in their writings. They kind of t- detest some of that. And then two, they just use a lot of words to say things. They, they love to listen to themselves. And they, they, the what their desire was to truly flesh out every topic, yep. every yep. possibility. And so they would begin and say, okay, there's these six things, but under number two, there's two things, and under one of those two, there's five things, and under one of those five, there's three things. And sometimes you get so deep in the list that you're like, you're spinning the top on the table and saying, you okay, need a flow shirt. Yeah. what's going on here? Have you ever built your own furniture in your early 20s in your first apartment? It's a lot like that. Yes. Like some yes, of those instructions. Yes, yes. But one of the little pro tips is you can get a good summary of these books by just reading through the table of contents because they're <laughs> the titles of all their chapters are very descriptive. Yes. yes. And yes. you can get a good idea of where they're going. 
So we are on item number two, sorrow for sin, and within that one, there is an, a list of six qualifications for godly sorrow, and we're just going to talk through these six today. The first is that true godly sorrow is inward, and he's going to go on and say that that's in two ways. So what are the two ways that Watson is going to talk about inward sorrow? Yeah, first is he, he talks about it being a, a deep inward posture of the heart rather than just kind of an outward hypocritical facial expression. You know, if you think of Jesus' language about the hypocrites who uh, wash the outside of the cup, but the inward is still stained, uh, that's Watson's point here is, is true godly sorrow starts within the heart in, in an inward conviction rather than just an outward disfiguring of your face or religious behavior. I and, used to have a student that, well, several, but one that I re- remember quite well she was kind of a naughty, mischievous high school gal and just often got in trouble. But she had the incredible ability to cry on demand. Mm -hmm. And so she would get caught and then she would just turn on the tears and make a a huge show of of this, quote, sorrow. Mm -hmm. And the first couple times she got me, and then after a while, you're like, you're not sorry at all. <laughs> That's just all pure external. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that comes to mind is Jesus' teaching on fasting. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned of you know when when you fast, it's a visible representation of sorrow. But in Jesus' teaching, he says, you know, still look nice. You know, do your hair, dress like you're going out for the day. Um, don't dress in a way that makes people obvious that you're sorrowful. And, um, and so in the same way, you know, as you just said, Russ, it's, um, and, and it's not just that girl, but I think a lot of, we naturally, you know, we hate getting caught. So we turn to that sorrow that's just external, but this one is a sorrow that f- the emotions flow out of what's gone on in the heart just simply because we have sinned. His second, his second point under this true godly sorrow being inward, he, he says it, it actually responds to the, the first outbreak of sin in your heart where you, you know, the, the, the thought to sin, the, you're, you're grieving at the root of the sin, not just simply at the sin that uh, it turns into an action. So basically, in, in one sense, you, you recognize where sin is starting. You, you recognize that Hey, this is where this is where it begins, and you begin to grieve the fact that you even have the beginnings rather than the end in your heart. I think a good test is: Do you hate the sin that nobody else sees? Yeah, and only God and you know about it. Just mm-hmm. and a lot of times, what what's under underneath the surface is a whole lot worse than what gets manifested out mm-hmm. publicly. That right. What's yeah, under- there, there are restraints uh, <clears throat> yes. that you would that you would you know in public that you would not go into certain sins, but you actually have those attitudes and thoughts within. Secondly, um, Watson is going to say that godly sorrow is innocent, and he mean that he means something maybe slightly different than how it might sound. So help us to modernize Watson here. Yeah, he's looking for sorrow that is over the offense rather than just the, the punishment like we talked about. Um, I've dealt with this with my own kids where you know they'll say I'm sorry for something, but it's only after they've been caught or after they've suffered a consequence for it. And this godly sorrow really preempts or, or begins to prevent sinful activity in your heart. It's not a returning or a 
continual turning back to sin. He uses the language of, you know, along those lines, even though we know that we're, I'm paraphrasing here, even though we know that we're saved and we know that we have eternal life in Christ, yet we still sorrow for the sin that we commit. And um, that shows, I think, a genuineness and true repentance. Yeah, it, it may even be repentance before getting caught, mm-hmm. right? Leading to which well, the next point we'll get into is confession eventually. But like it's it's being it's a willingness to repent of sin before you suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, when we've when we've been forgiven in Christ, we know that our our sins in their entirety are covered. <coughs> are covered. And so, in that sense, sense, you know, there's grace around this, but the the sorrow still kind of comes in in the sense that we still grieve against sinning against that grace. We we know that my we know our sins are covered, and yet we are affected by the thought that we have we have sinned against such love and grace that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you know we we want we want to honor. The Lord who forgives us, and this, and it crushes us that we've done anything that that offends Him. Mm-hmm. The third on the list is that godly sorrow is always in, intermixed with faith. He would say godly sorrow is trustful. Maybe help us as 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 we're looking at this. What does that mean? As as far as how could it not be mixed with faith? I think maybe a sorrow that would lead to despair. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be sorrowful for the sins that we've committed, but that we know that God is a gracious God. He is merciful. He is forgiving, and we can go to him in that hope. Whereas if you look at you know, one way you could look at Judas, I mean, he was sorrowful for what happened, but that was not a genuine godly sorrow that led to repentance. It was a sorrow that led to despair, and he took his own life. So I think that's one of the things he's... He's talking about here the sorrow over sin is one that leads in hope, not despair. You know, one of the one of the books that I have in my library is a book on Puritan prayers. It's called The Valley of Vision. Yep. And very often we don't know how to pray. We don't how, know how to bring ourselves to this matter that is, and you know, you know, where you have sorrow that's trusting, but it's also intermixed with this, you know, with you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And in one of the the prayers titled Continual Repentance. There's a prayer to the God of grace that's imputed the sin to my substitute. He's clothed me and decked me in holiness. But he goes on to say, but in my Christian walk, I'm still in rags. My best prayers are stained with sin. My penitential tears are so much impurity. My confessions of wrong are so many aggravations of sin. My receiving the Spirit is tinctured with selfishness. I need to repent of my repentance. It's it's a, a it's an understanding that you know there is something deeper. You know, even I can't attain to the repentance that's necessary for me, and I'm I'm sad about that. The fourth on his list is that godly sorrow is a great sorrow, and part of this is he he's not saying that there it one it's really difficult to quantify sorrow, but. Sorrow is not always going to be of the same level, but the sorrow should match the the offense, but it might be manifested in different ways. So, I mean, I have some kids that they've done something wrong, and you look at them, and all of a sudden they, they just crumble. Um, and then you have, I have others that 
it's rare that they ever shed a tear. But it's not that external that tells me the depth of their sorrow. But there needs to be a depth of sorrow when we sin. Mm-hmm. For godly sorrow in some cases is joined with restu- restitution. So what's the, the nugget of this particular one? What's the heart of it? Uh, I think if we look at the story of Zacchaeus, we see this in in biblical in a biblical test case. So Zacchaeus comes down, has an interaction with Jesus, and says, "If I've defrauded anyone, uh, I'll make restitution fourfold." So he's willing to recognize his sin, has sorrow over it, and is willing to make amends uh, to those he's wounded or hurt. And that and that goes to is this is this repentance really genuine? Because if if you're just saying uh, forgive me, I'll never do it again, and and you just go out. Uh, this is this is a demonstration that uh, that you truly have turned from those things and want to serve God, yeah, and that you've owned the responsibility of right. the damage that you've caused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you confessing or trying to repent and sorrowful simply to escape the consequences, or is there a willingness to actually? go through the consequences of your actions. And if you're held responsible for the consequences and then all of a sudden you say, but I said I'm sorry, yeah. right. then, yeah. you, then, then you might want to step back. It's kind of like stealing something, saying you're sorry you stole it, but then not giving it back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that TV in. <laughs> yeah. And the final one in the list is that godly sorrow is abiding. And we're just swinging back to where we began. Yeah, all of, you know, all of life is repentance. You know, when God calls us to repent, all of life is repentance. We, we never get over that. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life, and we'll see you next time.